to Professor Forever. I am the Professor Forever. I want to wish a happy semester, happy quarter, happy year to all the students out there, scholars all. So this would be the week that I would be returning to teach were I not retired. And I think of things during this time, and I was thinking, I'm going to have a professory episode. And then I had a dream that I was in the classroom, which I often do have, not just at fall, but I've had many of them since retiring. And in one of my dreams lately, an eraser came to life. So it got me thinking about erasers and erasing. And the concept applies well to some other ideas that I have been rabbit-holing into. Did I ever tell you that I do not care if you end a sentence with a preposition? Not a grammar Nazi. Not this English professor. Okay, so, you know, when I first began teaching in a formal sense, at a place where there was a chalkboard, because I was teaching before I got to a place where there was a chalkboard, in the after-school programs, we often met in places that didn't have a chalkboard. But when I began my formal teaching in classrooms, I just really enjoyed writing on the board with chalk. And there was this one kind of chalkboard eraser. It was long and it was made out of like a like a soft, smooth foam pad on the one side. I'm sure if you're a teacher, you know what I'm speaking of. And I love this eraser because it very easily removed all of the marks that chalk would leave. Didn't matter how hard you press with that chalk. And by the way, I was a chalk breaker. So when I wrote on the board, it made lots of clicks and snaps, and I often snapped a piece of chalk. So I loved that big eraser, right? And then the chalkboard gave way to whiteboards. And then actually the whiteboards gave way to, you know, virtual chalkboards, which you could write on with a pen on your computer at the main desk 
of a classroom and it would show up on a screen, look like a chalkboard. I was never really into using that. And so if there was ever a whiteboard in the classrooms where I taught, I would use that. I would not use the digital chalkboard. But so whiteboards became more popular probably over the last 15 or so years. And so then, I mean, I did like bringing all different colors of markers that you use, erasable markers that you use on the board. I remember one time breaking that cardinal rule and using a highlighter on a whiteboard by accident. And if you do that, there really is very little hope of removing that mark. But actually, that's what I wanted to talk about with erasing. So the whiteboard got to be, when when the surface of the whiteboard wears down, this is when this next process happens a lot. When the surface of the whiteboard wears down, then when you erase on the whiteboard with just an eraser, and I think they did still have those long foam type erasers that you could use on whiteboards, even though they were best used on chalk. Um, When you went to erase, not all of the coloring that was used by, that you used on the board would disappear. So there would be faint lines of blue erasable marker and red erasable marker (laughs) <laughs> Reminds me of a Bill Cosby bit on his uh, album in the 60s to Russell, my brother, whom I slept with. He talked about linoleum floors. There was a blue linoleum floor and a gold linoleum floor. Actually, that was a pretty funny album. But anyways, that's what that reminds me of when I say Blue erasable marker, red erasable marker. They weren't easily erasable once the whiteboard got to a certain point. And so you might see vestiges of your class notes that you put on the board, or like I used to do, have the kids come up and write on the board Students love writing on the board, no matter what. So no matter the age, no matter what you're asking them to do, if you're having them go in a competition against somebody or if they're just up there drawing, they love doing that. So there's a tip. There's a professory tip. If your kids are bored, think of an activity where they can write on the board. Okay. So your vestiges of whoever was writing on the board, those marks would stay and they could actually build up so that they look like this odd abstract art. And, but I was really kind of upset when I could not erase my board completely. And because of course, a teacher coming in after me might go, hey, do something about that whiteboard because there was something you could do. And that was get a bottle of this kind of bleach alcohol mix that would you could spray on the whiteboard and then it would remove um, all vestiges of the erasable markers. But 
I never was organized enough to have purchased that bleach or brought it to class. And so I was always at the mercy of whoever came in after me, hoping that they wouldn't go, hey, what'd you do to that whiteboard? So it was really satisfying to have an eraser that erased fully. That's that's my point about that. And so now that I am retired, one of my goals has been to become more mindful. So what is mindfulness? I'm sure you've seen the term. And I don't know if you're a person that is into mindfulness, but it's about trying to be present, right? So think about the now as you are living it and do things to help your consciousness focus on the now. So you can practice mindfulness. This is another phrase that's been dropped out there a lot. Practicing mindfulness because The more you practice paying attention to the now or the present, the easier it becomes, just like anything else, right? Okay, so for me, mindfulness has been a little difficult to um, attain, and I'm not going to say perfectly because I don't want to attain anything perfectly, but to a attained to a great degree because of distractions, right? So I was born right after the advent of color TV. I remember my father saying to me, do you know that The Wizard of Oz is actually the way that they have made this movie, not the, you know, uh, L. Frank Baum novel, but the movie version of The Wizard of Oz It was made in this particular way, my dad said to me, because it's an advertisement for color TVs. And that just blew me away, as did most things he told me, because he was so smart and so clever. Anyway, so TV was always on in my house when I was growing up. I mean, And it's a complaint that my partner has that I always leave the TV on and I'll walk away from the TV and the TV will still be on. And this is definitely something that my entire family and extended family does. And so it's habitual. It's something that is a learned behavior in my uh, extended family. You know, I know some people who decided to get rid of their TV when they had kids. And I was very impressed with that. Except I realized that what they all did then was get on their computers. So it was just trading one screen for another screen, right? So screens have become a distraction. So taking the TV and just extrapolating it into more broader, a more broad concept, uh, that's the real distraction culprit, right? Screens. I mean, we have computers, and people get on computers a lot. So with the advent of the internet, uh, that became an issue. And I remember Fran Leibowitz talking about um, computers. This is just a side note. And she said, all of a sudden, 
with the advent of computers, men wanted to learn how to type, how to type. They didn't want to type before that because all women, I mean, because typists were all women. So I thought that was an interesting uh, insight. Anyway, so I, and I remember the advent of using computers at work um, back in 1995. This is when uh, the internet first started cropping up, right? And you could, you logged into it via that, you know, telephone dial up that made a certain kind of noise. Uh, you young, young ones, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Google that and listen to that noise. It was very annoying. Uh, and it didn't work all the time. And sometimes it would take a long time to get that phone hookup uh, for your internet service. Uh, I became quite a search maven uh, at my job. I would just put in all kinds of odd terms like uh, Bell. So I'm using that as a last name. Bell plus production plus scandal or something. And I would get the weirdest stuff out of the infantile internet. Weird little weird legal documents and things that people had put up in chat rooms. And I remember I would use those as clues to finding a new lead to a story. Uh, libraries and cafes started having uh, computers with internet access. In fact, you know, the internet cafe that at the cafes that offered internet service, that was their main product, right? That they pushed was the internet Wi-Fi access. So smartphones came along and then you had internet in your hand. Those who could purchase smartphones, you didn't have to go to a cafe anymore, right? So for me, the smartphone is quite a distraction. Um, and I've talked about it with my wife and we have decided that it is something that takes up our time and we need to work on it. And, you know, there are so many things on the phone, right? Not just the internet. There are games, there are apps for health and weather and cooking and social media. So that's something that I spend more time on than does Nancy, but I spend relatively a small amount of time on social media compared to some of my friends. So I want to try to battle all of these distractions. And oh, also podcasts, my new obsession. Um, I love listening to podcasts. Now, mostly I listen to them when I'm walking. So I'm not really wasting time I'm just doubling up with things that I like to do walking and listening to interesting people talking so you know the podcast these days they're like radio shows right but you get to choose what the people talk about so that's pretty cool um so I have decided that I'm going to call all of these distractions erasers because what are erasers? What do they erase, right? Well, they erase time. So I was just talking about doubling up and 
in that case, a podcast doesn't erase time. But there are many distractions that erase time. Time to be in the moment, specifically, uh, as a opponent, as an opponent to what I am trying to do in terms of being more mindful. Um, they can erase interaction with others and with the world outside, uh, with society, and with nature. And, but to me, and this is just for me, although there have been many papers written about this, I do believe these distractions are erasing part of my humanness. Now, if you look at evolution, right, imagine all the time people had before they had technological distractions. Now, there have been other distractions forever, right? There have been storytellers and entertainers for millennia. So I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, but I'm going to bet that there were people way back thousands of years ago who said to their partner, hey, you're going to that storytelling uh, spot by the fire pit too often this week. Please come back and be with us. <laughs> well, but now, with the advent of technology to the degree that we have, which is not very advanced, by the way, um, we have so much more erasing going on than we did in earlier years of evolutions of the human. And But is it all distraction or is it immersion? So art both keeps you in the present, makes you be in the moment and not be in the moment at the same time. So it's kind of like a paradox. And there are many scholars out there and pundits who just write uh, articles and papers on the fact that where we are now with virtual reality and augmented reality and AI, that we're coming upon the end of humanity. But that leads me into talking about the Fermi paradox. Do you know about the Fermi paradox? So that is this idea. I think it was written in the 50s by Enrico Fermi. And he was talking about where we were technologically then. So imagine how much more this Fermi paradox idea could be applied today. If we cannot be the only intelligent species in the universe. Mathematically, it just doesn't make sense. And Fermi used a mathematical and physics-oriented formula to show how there have to be so many others, other types of living species out there in the universe uh, that are similar to us. But if that's true, where are they? Why, why haven't we met them? Why aren't they visiting in more visible ways? Why haven't they contacted in more discreet ways? Well, Fermi says, it's because they are more advanced than us, many of them, 
And so when you get advanced technologically, his theorem was you turn inside. You don't go out and explore out as much anymore as you do go in and become inward focused. And so they don't care to find us. And he says that is the beginning of the demise of a species, which is very interesting, right? So, and that's what I do. I definitely go inside more than I have been going outside in the last couple of years. So I'm a little worried about that too. And I blamed many outside things for my mindlessness, let's call it mindlessness, why I couldn't be immersed in the present. One was work. I've had so many ideas about work since I haven't been working (laughs) because I have time to think about it. And, you know, we live in a capitalistic society. You have to work, which I think is is a horrible thing to be born into in a way. Yes, it can be really great, but all people really do when you kind of like blend out and pull away and look at the beige picture of a capitalistic society, it's just about creating consumers and those consumers have to go to work and make those consumables. And then they come home and they consume the consumables. That's basically what, how it is. And doesn't that sound like a sad cycle? It, well, it does to me. Um, So I wonder if work is really something that people want to do or if they're forced to do it. And is that really all that gives some people purpose? I feel sorry for those people because work can definitely erase time and definitely erase valuable time that you could have with people. Um, There are some good things about work, but I thought about school too in this way, right? School also distracts from mindfulness um, because you have to do so many things that are rote and you have to uh, do so many things that put you in another space that you can't think about the present because you're often thinking about the future because you have deadlines and you have projects and you know, the end, you have tests that are coming up at a certain time. So you have all these schedules that are future oriented. And so you can't think so much about right now. And I've thought about school too, in more critical ways, since I've had time to be thinking more. And I, I wonder how much when school was, you know, created, in America and made an ultimatum when people had to go or they, you know, or they burdened certain circumstances, like you don't get this diploma. I wonder if it was really altruistic. We want all these people to learn these things, or if it was just about keeping people, youth especially, occupied. Um, so that they didn't cause trouble. Have you ever wondered about that? I I, I do really wonder how altruistic this whole invention of public school is. So, So, if 
I'm wondering if my focus, so I'm going to go even deeper here. So I'm trying to be mindful, but I wonder if my focus on mindfulness, mindfulness keeps me from art. I mean, I dally all the time. I create in bursts, but I don't immerse myself fully. It's one of my issues. And I think one of them is because I'm too concerned that I'm not fully immersed. See the problem there? See that cyclical paradox? I I think I don't immerse myself in a distraction that is art because I'm too concerned I'm not fully immersed in art. Oy. So anyway, to get back to the eraser idea that I began with, you know, I'm glad that I could see vestiges of my last class that I taught or someone taught. I didn't feel that way when I was teaching. Now that I've had time to be more mindful and to think more deeply, I am glad that I could see them because it made me grateful. It made me grateful that I was a professor. It made me grateful that I had students that were willing to get up and participate. It made me grateful of my context, that I was at a university, which is stressing social activism and freedom of speech. And just the fact that I live somewhere where I can get up and write on a board and not have to worry too much about what I write. So now I'm going to think of all those times before these distractions, this era, the same way. I mean, I saw vestiges of my erasable marker, and now I can still recall and still see vestiges of another time. This is something I'm grateful for because not everybody has that. I can recall what it was like to leave the house without a phone. I can recall nights researching a subject at a library because I couldn't just look it up on the internet. So I am grateful this moment for these memories and the fact that the erasers of now have left at least memories of the way things were yesterday. Thanks for listening. Keep thinking. She's got no lessons planned for me Because she's not that fancy She's a professor forever Professor forever Professor